I'd like to begin this evening with a reading from the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, I'm going to read the first 12 verses, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness." Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, we'll read verse 13 as well, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we can meet together for a second time on this, your day. We just ask now that you would help us to understand your word. We pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would uh, take this word and write it upon our hearts. We ask for, for grace to go from here and put these things into practice. Because we know that putting these things into practice will bring you glory and will be the best thing for us. And so we make these requests in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening I'm going to finish the sermon I started this morning. Uh, It's a sermon addressed particularly to fathers, but in truth it's a sermon for everybody. Uh, These principles apply to all of us in some way. We are considering two verses from the New Testament, one from the book of Ephesians and one from the book of Colossians. And if you've still got the outline from this morning, you will see these verses printed at the top. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Colossians chapter 3 verse 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. This sermon has just two points, and this morning we covered the first one, what bad fathers do. 
And we can determine what makes for a bad father by considering what Paul tells fathers not to do. It can be boiled down to two statements. The bad fathers make their children angry and bad fathers sap away their children's spirit. We spent a good deal of our time this morning thinking about how this happens. We went through eight ways that fathers provoke their children to wrath and discourage them. Taken together, they represent a failure of love. And the challenge for fathers was to examine the way they are relating to their children, to examine the love they have for their children and see if there are some deficiencies, see if there are some things that need to be repented of, some things that need to change. That was the first point. Uh, this evening we're going to consider the second point, and it's the positive point. We've, we've seen what bad fathers do. Uh, tonight we're going to see what good fathers do. Now, there is probably more in these two verses that we could talk about tonight, but I want to draw your attention to just three things that the Apostle Paul mentions here. Three things good fathers do. Remembering, of course, where we started this morning. We're only able to do these things if we have new life in Christ and uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, these two verses are addressed to Christian fathers. The first thing I want you to notice tonight is perhaps so obvious that we miss it. And that is that good fathers are actively involved in raising their children. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up, Paul says. The Greek word is ektrepho. It means to nourish up to maturity. Uh, It's a verb in the present tense, in the active voice and in the imperative mood. Literally it means be raising them up. This is something fathers are to do. It was not to be left solely to the servants as it may well have been in wealthy Greek and Roman households. It's not to be left to the mother, as perhaps it sometimes has been in our culture, or to the grandparents. The raising of children is not to be outsourced to the school teacher or to the church. This is the duty of fathers. Now, of course, this is not to say that raising children is not the duty of mothers. It's a a shared responsibility. The point I'm simply making is that this is a responsibility that God has given to fathers. This command is addressed to fathers and a good father will take on this responsibility and delight in it. He will be actively involved in the day-to-day business of nurturing and caring for his children. Now I realise that uh, parents will come to their own arrangements when it comes to the division of labour in the household. And it's not for any preacher to tell mums and dads how to do that. Although it wouldn't hurt fathers to change the odd nappy or to do a load of washing every once in a while or to give the kids a bath. But again, how parents divide up the domestics is up to them. 
Now, it's important for fathers to be involved at this level, but what I'm really getting at and what I think the Bible is really getting at is the development of a child's inner life, their mind, their imagination, their ability to self-regulate. And most importantly, this is about the formation of their character. It's raising up children in this sense. A good father is actively involved in this work. He's hands-on. It's not someone else's job. It's his job. And that brings us to the second thing that good fathers do. They provide godly discipline. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The idea of discipline comes through in this word, nurture. I've put the Greek word for you there in the outline. It's the word paideia, and it appears only six times in the New Testament. On three occasions, it's translated as chastening in our King James Version, and once it's translated chastisement. These four occurrences are all found in the passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that we read a moment ago. In Hebrews chapter 12, the word is used to refer to the the, the negative aspect of, of this word, to to action taken against a child when they do the wrong thing. And uh, it's for their benefit. It's for their learning. Uh, My son, despise not thou the chastening, the paideia of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. In other words, it hurts. (laughs) It's painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. This word is also used in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in reference to the scriptures. You know the verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here, paideia is translated instruction. This is the the positive aspect of this word. The the scriptures instruct and educate us in righteousness, in right living. The word discipline captures both sides of this concept. According to the dictionary, discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behaviour using punishment to correct disobedience. People have to know what the rules are, don't they? They have to know how to keep the rules, and then the rules are enforced. There is training through bringing to bear consequences when the rules are broken. This is discipline. And when it comes to our children, we tend to think of discipline solely in terms of chastening. Now, the the stick, uh, the wooden spoon, the time out, the removal of certain privileges when our children disobey. But it's more than that. It involves communicating to our children what's expected, what's right and how to do right. Now when you have training at work, you don't just get handed a list of penalties that you will experience if you contravene the code of conduct, do you? No. You're given a a copy of the code of conduct and you're you're taken through it. It's explained and you're told how it applies in certain scenarios. You're told how you should behave, what you should do. There might even be some uh, role playing and that's a lot of fun when you have training at work, isn't it? Uh, 
But that's the idea expressed by this word paideia. It's, it's discipline in its fullest sense. A good father doesn't just apply the rod of correction when it's needed. He also takes the time to explain the code of conduct, if you like. And this is especially important as our children get older. They need to know right from wrong and they need to know why right is right and wrong is wrong. And this leads naturally to the third thing good fathers do. They provide godly instruction. This comes through in the Greek word that's translated admonition. It's the word nuthesia and it's it's a lovely word. Literally it means to put in mind... The emphasis is on instruction and teaching by means of words. A good father talks to his children. It's pretty basic. And yet often it doesn't happen. Dad is too busy. Dad is too caught up with his work or his hobbies or his own problems or dad is too tired. And there is never more than rudimentary small talk. You know, how was your day? It was fine. Uh, did you get into trouble at school? No. Okay, good. And that's about it. A good father has conversations with his children. Conversations with a purpose to put the truth into his children's minds. Now that doesn't mean every dinner time turns into a lecture or a sermon, but it means that dad does talk about morality. And he talks about God. And he endeavours to bring what God says into the picture. And it does mean that there is a regular time of family devotions, a time where dad reads the Bible to his children, where dad discusses spiritual things and, and, and asks questions. Yeah, a good father actively seeks to lay a foundation of divine truth in his children's lives. Now, I don't know if this was in Paul's mind when he penned our verse in Ephesians, but this responsibility goes right back to the law of Moses. This is what God said to his people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He said, And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The word of God needs to be in the hearts of mums and dads. We have to internalise it. It has to be what shapes our worldview and our understanding of right and wrong, and then we teach it to our children. And we are to do so at every possible opportunity. I think that's what the Lord was getting at here. Now teach your children the law of God when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down, when you, you wake up in the morning. In other words, teach them whenever you can. Now this is as simple as saying something to your children about the Creator when you're driving down Ballina Road in the evening and you see those beautiful sunset colours in the sky. Just say something about God and how marvellous He is and the fact that He created all of those colours. There is an opportunity to put truth into your children's minds when there is a story in the news that prompts them to ask a question. You can explain the doctrine of sin and human depravity and 
And then you can talk about the grace and love of God. We just have to be awake to the opportunities. We have to remember our responsibility and we have to be unafraid of talking about difficult subjects. If we don't talk to our children about those subjects, and I think you know what I'm referring to, they'll get their information from elsewhere. And it probably won't be what God wants them to know. We dads especially can't be squeamish. We have to be open. We have to be approachable. We want our kids to ask us those questions, not the internet, not their friends at school. And so godly discipline and godly instruction. This is what good fathers give to their children. And I use that word godly very deliberately. Notice, if you would, the last two words in Ephesians 6, 4. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We discipline and instruct our children in that which comes from the Lord, in the ways of the Lord. The values that we seek to instill in our children are those the Lord has set down in his word. Uh, What's important to the Lord is what we want to be important to our children. That's the crux of it, isn't it? When our kids are all grown up, we want them to care the most about the things that Jesus cares the most about. We want their priorities to be his priorities and we employ the methods that he has given us to get them there this is a whole other sermon for another day but we know there's an awful lot of material out there that endeavors to tell parents what's important for their children and how they should raise their children the the internet has multiplied all of this material exponentially you know as a parent you can turn yourself in knots If you try to follow all of the advice that's out there, uh, someone says we should be doing this for our children. Someone else says, oh no, we we shouldn't be doing it. Uh, Some advocate this method. Others push for a different method. You know, there are multiple theories about almost every aspect of raising children. And I'm sure some of them are helpful. But as Christian parents, the Bible, God's word is our authority. And we do what it says in this vital area. We take our cues from Scripture. We allow ourselves to be guided by the one who actually invented children. He knows how to raise them. He knows what's good for them. He knows how our families can flourish. In closing, I want to share with you what a a certain 19th century Presbyterian theologian said about our text. Uh, This was written over 150 years ago, but I think it's still spot on. If it be asked in what way a parent is to bring up his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I answer, one, by directly inculcating the doctrines and duties of religion, just as he does anything else that he regards as of value. Two, by placing them in the Sunday school, where he may have a guarantee that they will be taught the truth. Three, 
by conducting them, not merely sending them to the sanctuary, that they may be taught in the house of God. Four, by example, all teaching being valueless without that. Five, by prayer for the divine aid in his efforts and for the salvation of their souls. And then I love this little comment at the end. These duties are plain, simple, easy to be performed, and as such as a man knows he ought to perform. If neglected and the soul of the child be lost, a parent has a most fearful account to render to God. These duties are plain, simple, easy to be performed. It's not rocket science, that's what we'd say today. With God's help, by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can be good fathers and and good mothers and good aunts and good uncles and good grandparents. God has given us what we need. The question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to follow through? Are we going to put into practice what we've seen in God's word today? I hope we will. Amen.